Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television. Hey, did you know Bass Edge TV is on Wild TV in Canada right now? Well, it is. And just here in a few weeks, it's going to be right back on the Versus Network, January through June of 2008. And I've got the honor and the the honor and the ability to say I admire this man with all that I can muster. It's just the official host, the man, Aaron Martin. How you doing, Aaron? <laughs> I'm doing great, Dan. But you know, I'm just wondering. You hesitated a little bit. So that's called I a pregnant. No, that's the, that's called a pregnant pause. Is that see, what that you call, emphasizes the moment. Yeah, I see. That's that's the official term for broadcast, right? That, also known as lying out your teeth. So. No, no. When you stop in the middle of an introduction like that, let let it build momentum. Okay. Suspense. That's a pregnant pause. All right. See, you learn something. There today. we go. There you go. Now I know I'm going to learn some fishing stuff. But that's you know, right. before we get into you and I. We're going to have, be joining Mike Webb, and Mike's going to be talking about winter fishing. That's going to be awesome. That is his forte. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to that. And then we're going to get into our favorite parts of all the year's podcasts, uh, all the things we've done this year. I'm going to pick out a few, and I know you've got a few that uh, you've got handy, and well, it'd be fun to banner about that for a few minutes. Definitely. Yeah, so we're going to do that, and we're also going to answer a listener email as well. It's all right here on The Edge. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Whoa, look at that son gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. I don't know about you folks, but I'm excited today a little bit more than I usually am. I, you know, it takes a lot to get my blood up. Nice turkey, a nice 10-pointer coming over the horizon, the smell of a, of a freshly caught bass on a spring day. I, you know, those things just get my blood pumping. But you know what? There's a brand-new season of Bass Edge TV coming your way in just a few weeks, and I know my compadre here, Mr. Aaron Martin, has got to be excited. Oh, I'm very excited. I mean, there's there's some great things ahead, not only from the guests that we will have, but also just uh, the places that we got to go fish and, and trek across. You know, the first 13 weeks we are going to be doing companion interviews with all the anglers for each week uh, that will be going into detail about the areas that we fish. So it's going to add a whole new element to the podcast, of course, which uh, I'm looking very forward to that. Yeah, I saw a press release fly across my desk that Ditch Witch is back. Yeah, Ditch Witch is back. and uh, so that means you're going to be wearing that pumpkin thing, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I call it uh, the orange camouflage, uh, orange. also known as... Uh, orange camouflage. There, there you go. There Thanks. you go. Hard to see. Yeah, that, that was the shirt I was supposed to get two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You never know. I, you know, did you... Did you ask Santa Claus for that? I mean, here we are, no. Christmas Eve. Uh, you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. You know, I talked to Laura about that. I said, you know, I'm going to do some. I'm going to do more fishing on my show this year too. I, I, I said, I'm just upset that I don't have my Bass Edge orange shirt. And she goes, Dan, have you looked in the mirror lately? They're going to be saying it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. So I kind of, after that comment from my lovely bride, I kind of just. Tuned that out. There, there you go. Well, yeah, I'll stick with the darker colors. You, you are, you're a fall color guy. I am. You have been known to wear fuchsia, but uh, there you go. Fuchsia <laughs> for me. Hey, you know, I, I can't believe it. The season's going to start here in a couple weeks. That's exciting. Uh, I know Ditch Witch is all fired up. All the rest of your sponsors are are getting primed, and uh, not only people have to look forward to that, but the holidays are going to wind down, and a lot of people are going to hit aftermarket sales 
at a lot of the stores. And, you know, what a great time to pick up some extra gear. Boy, it is. And, you know, one of the things, talking about the economical benefits here, um, you know, the, the economy is, with the gas prices and everything the way they are, you know, retailers are looking to still try and, uh, I guess, unleash some of that merchandise that they're that they're holding on to. So it is. It's a truly a great time to go out and look and, and find bargains for things that you're going to be using throughout the out the course of the year and um, you know take some of that Christmas money that, that you got and, and spend it on, on something for the outdoors or you know use it to buy somebody else that, that maybe doesn't have the privilege of, of having some of that, that nice equipment and uh, give them a gift. Well a lot of people are getting gift cards this year. I mean that's become a tradition in the outdoors community. You know I, I hear so many wives calling my radio shows saying, what do I get him? He's got everything. Get him a gift card. That's a great idea. Well, it is. And, you know, one of the things that I, I can remember years back uh, getting into, especially fishing, you know, people would try and buy me lures or something like that, which the intent is so much appreciated. But um, that's that's the beauty of, of fishing or hunting, of being able to go out and, and pick those things out that you like to use. Because, you know, sportsmen are known to be a little bit picky uh, as far as what they like to use. So, Either way, it's a win-win. Either either pick them out the bait or the the uh, rod and reel or or line or you know much easier just to get a gift card. Yeah, well, and, and again, when you're getting the new stuff, now's the time to take that stuff. Go get your new line, put on all your reels, take your rods apart, make sure all the guides are not messed up. Because if you need to get all that fixed, you need to do it now. Well, and that's one of the things that I've been doing. Uh, you know, not only from the trailer maintenance to the boat things along those lines, but also just going through, you know, taking our ardent reel cleaning kit, going through relubing, you know, all the rods and reels, checking eye guides, you know, replacing hooks on crankbaits, yeah. all those little odds and ends that somehow seem to get looked over uh, throughout the course of the year. Now is the time to do that and still stay, you know, still stay involved and still stay active in being around your equipment and your tackle and uh, kind of gets you out of the house and helps you get through some of those Christmas blues, you know? Yeah. I got a great question for you. This was on. I got a caller from. Uh, it was either Illinois or Ohio on KMOX the other night. Wanted to know why they that I I talked. I was talking about you know lure preparation. Now mm-hmm. it's time to get the stuff out, clean them up, and go ahead and paint your one red hook if you want to do that. Get it done now. And the guy calls up and says, "Why are you painting your hooks red?" And I said, "Well, you want to do that to Im- imitate an injury to a fish, you know, or, or a wound." It's just something that's going to maybe help induce a strike. That's sure. become a trend over the last year and a half. He goes, well, how come the certain TV personality has this red line that they market, and they said it totally disappears under the water? So if that line disappears, wouldn't the red on the hook? I said, well, as far as I know, the color spectrum underwater is not going to disappear. It's going to change color. Aaron, what's your view on that? Well, I know what he's talking. He's referring to uh, probably the Cajun line, uh, not knowing specifically, but I do know that line company is a red line. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it, that line actually changes color. Well, it has to. Yes. It, it's hard to explain. I don't know what happens. I don't know if it's temperature sensitive. I have no idea. But right. it's a lot like, uh, you know, Berkeley actually has a has a product out that it does that. It's It's made actually in a gold color. That way you can see it above water, but once it hits the water, it becomes transparent. Right. Uh, the red hooks, you know, whether you paint them yourself or you buy the red hook, that is not something, you know, that's metal. That's a hard paint. That is not going to, you know, refract or absorb and change any color. I mean, that, so the, that red so the is line, the line, if it does change color, is because of the molecular molecular structure. Yeah, it has some sort of molecular line. properties that, that is, okay. uh, yeah, changing it at the molecular level, I guess. Well, I, I didn't know how to answer it because I said I've never used it. And, you know, I know that once you get underwater, the light bends differently. 
Correct. And colors are not the same shade. Yeah. No, you I know. can tell you uh, of working with uh, some of those lines that it does, you know, go away. How much it goes away, I don't know because, um, you know, I haven't messed with it enough to, to be able to tell you that. But uh, All right. Well, I figured I'd wait and ask you since you're the band. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, so I, I didn't know how to answer him. I, I, it was kind of funny, actually. Yeah, that'd, that'd be a good question to actually pose out there uh, for the upcoming newsletter. I think that would be a good newsletter question. Speaking of that, how's that going? Oh, it's, uh, I, I put it like this. Steve Bligman, the publishing editor, it, it's going fantastic. All I've gotten to do is see the kind of the, the format of it. But he won't tell me what the first article is. It has something in about when we were out on the road. And the beauty of what he is doing with that is going to be an exclusive piece uh, specific to the newsletters. So rather than you know be these newsletters that you see uh, on your email that are chock full of ads just for the purpose of selling things, this is actually going to be a very, very, what we like to call edutainment, entertaining as well as education built in. So uh, I'm exciting to, excited rather to see uh, kind of the craft that Steve has put together on that, but I can promise you it will be comical and it'll probably have some mentions in there about certain members of the bass edge family so uh, you know I, I was hoping that i'd get like an ode to outdoors dan section. oh i'm sure there'll be an ode to something but <laughs> <laughs> all right folks i'll tell you what i know we covered a lot of stuff right there but it's christmas and we got to keep this moving when we come back we're going to take our first short break when we come back we're going to hear from mike webb and we'll have other great stuff right here on the edge You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 tow and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, welcome back to The Edge. And, you know, when you think about winter fishing and specifically deep fishing, uh, drop shotting, spooning, uh, really just trying to target those fish out in the depths, one name comes to mind, and it has always came to mind, and he's out of the Midwest and one of Bass Edge's very own, and that is Mike Webb. Mike, thanks so much for being part of The Edge. Aaron, I'm glad to be back. You know, Mike, here we are sitting on... Uh, Christmas Eve, and uh, we're, we're talking about fishing. It's it's almost uh, uh, a little surreal from the standpoint because a lot of people don't associate, you know, fishing, uh, quality fishing, that is, in the winter months. Yeah, you know, when I guide people throughout the year and they ask me what's the best time to come down here and fish, and the two months I give them are mid-April to mid-May and December and January. Uh, that's the prime time to catch fish. Uh, people just associate the cold weather with staying indoors, and they need to be out fishing because the fish are biting. Now, why are the winter months, why are those so attractive for catching not only size but also numbers? Well, it's easier to target the fish in the winter because they're so shad-related, and the shad are easy to find because they're coming from the, the main channels at you know 65 or 70-degree waters when they start their move into the channels, these deeper creeks, you know. And as the water temperature goes down, they get farther into the creek, and then they get near the back of the creek as the water temperature gets, you know, in the low 50s, upper 40s, and it's it, it's a lot easier to target them, and the fish just follow them, and, and they're a lot easier to catch. So, you know, starting specifically, let's say, here in the Midwest, and of course this is going to differ a little bit depending on where you are geographically, if you're further north, obviously, versus being further south. I mean, there will be some variation through there, but speaking generally, let's say, you know, at what point, 
do you start actually moving out to deeper water, or do you? Or do you just stay focused, you know, on the bank for winter fishing? Winter fishing, I generally stay the last 50 feet of a deep water cove, and I'll, I'll stay there through December and January until the fish start to migrate out and, and kind of suspend out on the bluff ends and things like that. But for the majority of the winter, where I'm from in southwest Missouri, I spend it in the last 50 feet of the deep creek. And then are you using your electronics? Are you using maps? Are you using all the above to to identify the areas that you're looking for? Well, this time of year, uh, the Mother Nature helps so much because the shad are so balled up and moving that uh, the seagulls, you know, they'll tell you where they are. And, and it's neat to watch the seagulls because even though the, uh, the shad may be 20 or 30 foot deep, the seagulls will fly over the top and see the shadows and sit on the shad. And that alerts the loons, and the loons will come in and go down 20 or 30 foot deep and bring the shad up, and then the seagulls feed on them. So Mother Nature helps greatly this time of year. So I watch for the loons and the seagulls, and then I'll idle right down the gut. It's just a highway for these shad, and I'll idle right down the gut near from about halfway to the back of these creeks with my graph on and look for shad, and, and that's what I'm going to concentrate on is right down the middle of that gut. You know, when you and I were out, oh, it's, it's probably been two years ago, one time you had brought up, and it's the first and, and probably the only time I've ever heard this, but I've witnessed this firsthand time and again after that, once you brought that to my attention, was the fact that seagulls call in the loons. Uh, more or less, the seagulls find the bait fish, and then they somehow call the loons in to get them stirred up. Can you elaborate just a little bit on that on that topic? Oh, it's, it's neat to watch because a lot of times when you see seagulls sitting on the water, people would just go on by and, and they'll think that nothing's going on. They're actually waiting to see these seagulls dive in the water. But the seagulls are there to alert the loons that, hey, you know, these shad are too deep for me to get to, but come and help somebody out here a little bit and bring them up closer. And that's what they do. The loons will come in and how they're notified, I don't know. But they come over and they'll go way down deep, and I can see them on my graph. The loons going down after the shad. They'll bring them up, and then the you know the seagulls start diving after the shad. And then ultimately, that gets the bait fish active. And if you know, obviously, there's probably bass not too far either below or, or around them. They think something's going on that the fires these bait fish up, and and the fish start biting. Is that kind of how the process works? Well, that's exactly how it works. And this time of year, the fish are so grouped up because of the amount of bait fish that, you know, it's not uncommon to catch a, you know, bass every time you drop your bait. It's real important, though, when you see this action taking place on top of the water with the birds, that when you get up there, of course, the birds are going to fly away. It's important you don't get on top of the shad prior to fishing. You want to cast out there ahead of, uh, of the boat and try to catch the fish that are up a little shallower, maybe, and then gradually get over the top of them and then go down with your electronics uh, use your electronics to drop your bait down to the fish that are under the shad. So, what are you? What, what type of bait are you making? You know, when you're when you're casting to these and, and firing something out there so that you're not spooking the shad right off the bat. What normally? What are you targeting that that uh, approach with? This time of year, I, I key on my casting. I key on using a grub, and I'll use a three eighth ounce head. On usually, I'll use a, a smaller three inch grub, and and I like the. The milk, salt, and pepper is what it's called, um, kind of a shad color, and, and that's what I'll key on. Uh, and then when I get over the top of them, I'll, I'll try various baits, you know, depending on what the fish tell me, you know, their reaction to what I'm dropping, whether it be a grub 
or a drop shot, or one of my favorites is the the white spoon. Now on that grub, are you are you doing you know on that three eight ounce head? Are you are you doing a countdown to to let it drop so far into the water table, or you just throw it out there and reel it? If I know the depth of the fish, maybe I've seen fish on my graph idling over to there, and let's say they're thirty foot deep. That's obviously a comfort zone for those fish, and so I've got a timing. You know, I already know how fast the bait's going to fall per second because I've dropped it straight down and watched it on my graph and counted. So whenever I cast out there, I'll count it down and keep it just above that fish and try to reel it through that general strike zone. Then I'll get over the top of them, and that's where you can, you know, you can see everything go on then. Now, are all these applications done on a, on a spinning rod with light line? Uh, with the exception of the spoon, the drop shotting and the grub, I'm using uh, fluorocarbon line as a must, and I generally use six or eight pounds fluorocarbon for the drop shotting and the, and the grub. And then once you have, let's say, depleted or felt confident that, that you've kind of fished your way out with the spoon, as you move in over top of these fish, then you're, you're predominantly going into more of a mode of relying on your electronics. Is that correct? That's correct. And, you know, it's, it's amazing what these electronics nowadays will, will show you on there. You can see a 30-second-ounce a crappie jig at 80-foot deep, you know, very, very well. And so you can see the fish, and, and a lot of the times uh, I'll set the hook by the sight instead of the feel. That's how good these electronics are nowadays. And it's the best video game there is on the market. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's real. That is when you set the hook, it's real. <laughs> no question. And then the fight is on, right? Yeah, you should see the kids that come up to the front of the boat when I'm guiding, and that fish comes up at about Mach 3 after that bait. <laughs> They'll pull it away from me first time, and they get so excited. So, so the drop shot ac- application that you're speaking of, the, this is predominantly for suspended fish versus necessarily lowering it all the way down to the bottom? Uh, not necessarily. You know, if the, if the bait fish are on a lower level, you know, if they were in 50 feet of water and they're hanging out around 30 or 40 foot deep and I don't see any fish, that doesn't mean they're not there. But you can drop the bait down like a drop shot to the bottom and reel it up real slow until you see your bait again. And see what comes up off the bottom. You're going to be surprised what's hiding down there. You know, and that's a great point, Mike, because I can't tell you how many times when you look at, uh, I know one of the things that you talk a lot about is is the false bottom. But when you lower that bait down there, um, you know, numerous times I've made just a couple, turn the, turn the reel, just a couple cranks. And all of a sudden you just see this, it's like the bottom just comes alive. I mean, it's amazing what you see. It's like a volcano or <laughs> It is. It is. Uh, what about the bait? I mean, the bait on the drop shot this time of year, is is that critical? Or, I mean, do you place a lot of emphasis on what type and colors and things like that? Or is it just more or less, um, you know, getting the bait in front of them? This time of year, the winter months, I predominantly use shad imitators. You know, I will use the lighter colors. I'll use the smaller baits. And things like that. And, you know, in replace, a lot of times, Aaron, I'll replace the sinker on the bottom with what a lot of people up north use for ice fishing. It's called a, a an ice jig. It's a jig and shad wraps, what it is. And it's just a minnow-looking thing that's weighted. It's a weight in itself. And it's tied on the back so it stays horizontal. And that takes the place of the sinker. So, you know, you've got double action there. And sometimes you can put that and two hooks above it with a grub or a very, very, very small fluke or something like that on there. Well, I'm, I'm sure when you catch, when you load up and catch a double, uh, that, that gives you more than you can handle on that six-pound test line, but I'm sure the action is pretty ferocious. Well, it is. They'll fight against each other, and, and to see it actually happen and take place on the graft is, is half the excitement because, I mean, you, you just, you're just hoping that out of those 30 fish that are 
chasing that bait that you're dropping down there, and a lot of times they'll hit it on the way down. They'll come up and meet it halfway. You're hoping that the first one's the big one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you go hope that's the five or six pounder right there. Well, and that's a great thing, especially uh, concerning spotted bass. You know, how many times do you drop down in a school? And I've done this with a jerk bait with spinnerbaits, everything. They, these spotted bass, they will try and take away, you know, they want to try and take that bait out of that other fish's mouth that has it. And they are just, it's just unbelievable how aggressive they are. They're very competitive. Yeah. Very. Well, uh, and, and switching gears now to the spoon, I want to make sure that we cover all three of our bases here. Um, what what are you doing with this white slab spoon that you speak of? And, and if you could describe that just briefly of what that actually is. I use a, a white spoon, a three-quarter ounce is what I predominantly use. The reason I use white, it's a confidence thing for me. But if you'll see a shad, they're not silver. They're white, and that's the confidence for me. And I fish it uh, several different ways, but the two predominant ways are casting, letting it fall to the top just above the trees that are underwater. And I will reel it real fast and stop, like a crankbait, reel it real fast and stop. And they'll always hit it when it stops because that's the easiest point for a fish to get the bait. And then I'll get over the top of the, the bait and I'll drop it down and I'll pop it off the bottom, make a lot of noise underneath the shad, and then I'll reel it up and I'll try to catch the, the suspended fish the same way but you've got to change your cadence you know it can't just look like a heartbeat going across your screen right there because if you know a shad is dying down there he's not real rhythmic about it sure so you got to make it look like a dying fish or a dying shad and a lot of times these fish will come up and look at the spoon or the grub or the drop shot they'll look at it and leave look at it and leave well that's telling you something there's something not right so a lot of times when they start doing that i'll take it away from them about the second time they do it i'll reel it up real fast two or three foot and that will trigger a strike well and i often use the example you know if somebody's chasing you and you're fearing for your life and picture the you know the bait fish in that instance um you are not going to be running in just a steady cadence you know you're going to be zigzagging and and doing everything you can to get away from that you know, that aggressor. And, uh, uh, and you know, with good, that's a very good analogy, too. One of the things that, that I think that is often overlooked is is wintertime fishing. And, and, you know, with the grub, with the spoon, with the drop shot, you know, those are definitely three things to have in your arsenal to be able to do that. But going back just quickly, what is the level of difficulty, you know, in doing those three things? I think a lot of people are intimidated by winter fishing, by how you have to pursue those. Could you clarify some of that? The type of fishing that we spoke about is probably the easiest type of fishing there is there there's not a high skill level involved or anything like that uh, for one if you're vertically fishing you can see the fish hit your bait so you don't have to worry about missing a bite you're just dropping the bait down and trying to imitate and you're watching everything that goes on so it's very very easy fishing very easy well it's, it's, it's have a, gr- a lot of patience you know because a lot of times you'll fish around fish that aren't active and you got to practice and try to get them active well and and it's so rewarding just like any other type but when you can see those fish especially when you're sitting over top of them and just the the challenge of getting them to bite but then once they do turn it on i mean it's it's like you speak of you know it's literally can be a fish on every drop or on every cast i mean it's it's Truly, truly amazing. And, you know, one of the things, Mike, I heard a rumor that uh, you've been working with uh, really some of the producers at Bass Edge on working on this auxiliary project that you have coming out with a video. Yeah, we've had a lot of requests for people wanting to know that the seminars that I do just briefly touch on electronics and, and deep fishing, and they're wanting more. So we're going we're gonna to do a video, and we're right in the middle of that right now of shooting a, a video, and, and we don't know what we're going to call it yet, but it's probably going to be something along the lines of deep water fishing with electronics, something along that, and it's going to highlight 
what you see on the graph, uh, what to expect, why, why you see what you do, and you're going to witness fish being caught as it happens. Uh, you know, so this is not something that's set up. Sure. You, know, you can't set this up. <laughs> so this will really fall in line with the rest of the of the Bass Edge products concerning it'll be both educational and it's it's really going to walk you through uh, what you need to do to employ this skill? Oh, right. And there's going to be a lot of still shots as well as moving footage. But the still shots, you know, we're going to we're going to highlight, you know, here's the fish, here's the bait, you know, and and the, the balls of shed, you know, the wads I'm going around. We're going to highlight that so people can really grasp what's going on there and then we'll put it into a moving uh, format to where you can watch that fish shoot up at Mach 3 and grab that bait you know and then you're going wow you know you're going to want to go out and go fishing after that and you're going to understand what you're seeing and that's a big key. Well that is a big key because a lot of times you know with uh, understanding electronics once you figure out how to and understand the the settings and and I'm sure that you're going into all that as well of how to program the graph you know a lot of times it's hard to tell what is a fish, what is the top of a tree, what does that look like? And once you create that visual, then chances are we're probably all going to find out that we've been, you know, actually sitting over top of fish and didn't even realize it. Oh, you're exactly right. And there's so many, and I'm not going to give away anything on this, but there's a lot of things that people think are fish and aren't. Sure. And we're going to show you why. Um, So it's going to be very educational, and and it's going to be fun because you're going to actually witness these fish it's not like casting up at the bank and, and you know, waiting on a bite. You're going to actually see the bite because we're going to film the graph working. You'll see the bait moving, and you'll see this fish come up and eat it. So there's nothing rehearsed about that. Well, I, I, I cannot wait. Do you have any idea of what, uh, what the time frame is on that? We've got quite a bit of it done right now. We're probably, you know, here we are Christmas Eve, probably uh, probably springtime. Excellent. Well, hopefully early spring. Yeah, exactly. I'll look forward to uh, to getting you back on here to talk more more about that. But then also, you know, to be able to to take the DVD and learn from that, then I think you're also going to be featured on uh, on Bass Edge in the upcoming weeks pertaining to a written piece that we'll be able to go into more detail on BassEdge.com. So. Yeah, there's uh, one of those sports writers, uh, Steve Brigham, is going to be doing an article uh, just kind of highlighting. Uh, winter fishing and deep fishing, and you know, hopefully it gets people excited because if you've never experienced winter fishing, you really haven't experienced the you know, the full gamut of what that lake can produce for you because the biggest strings of fish I've ever caught in my life have happened in the wintertime. Well, I, I totally attest to that, Mike. I mean, it's just, unfortunately, you know, sometimes you're challenged with the weather of it being cold or nasty or things like that, but bottom line is the fish still eat, and that is certainly one of the best times, I think, to get out on the lake and enjoy it. Plus, you've got it all to yourself. Well, I remember going out with you one time. Remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. We were fishing those grubs, and I, we had six that probably go 24 pounds. <laughs> yeah. And, just, and it was just a matter of 20 or 30 casts. Oh, uh, yeah, all on six-pound test line. So you, you would have thought we won the Bassmasters Classic. Well, in my mind, we did. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness people weren't around. They would might have gotten a little concerned about us high-fiving and hugging and stuff. So, anyway. Well, Mike, I don't know about the hugging. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mike, unfortunately, we are out of time, but it's always a, a pleasure to have, have you on and, uh, and gain some of your wisdom. And we look forward to uh, seeing you on the upcoming, just really just in uh, January, starting January 5th, the, the new season kicks off. And I know you have a very integral part this year and in the season so uh look forward to seeing that and we'll talk to you soon thanks so much for being part of the edge blaren and merry christmas to you likewise well aaron i gotta tell you i always like listening to mike because he always gives me something new to think about you know i know a lot of people i didn't mean to cut you off there no 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 go ahead a lot of people do not know to look for gulls 
or any type of predatory bird when they're fishing because that's where the bait fish are. Well, exactly, and that is one of the things, especially on your deeper, uh, clear reservoirs. You know, when you see those gulls that are setting, like he mentioned in the interview, that's just kind of hovering or even setting on the water. You know, they are setting there for a reason. And the interesting thing is that when you see the gulls around, look out because those loons are probably not too far away. And those loons actually will actually dive down, you know, 15, 20 feet into those schools of bait fish, which ultimately activates the bait fish, brings them to the top so that the gulls can feed on them. Well, what happens when, when those bait fish start becoming very active is the bass all of a sudden, you know, that activates them. So yeah. it's, it's just a, a continuum uh, of how Mother Nature works. Well, not only that, but when you get into the deeper water and, or, you know, you get in areas with pelicans, mm-hmm. same thing. Yep. I mean, you just use that as a sign. And I think, you know, with Mike and his skill, I mean, he's really the one that has, has perfected that, certainly in the Midwestern region. But to spend time with him, that's why he's so successful as a guide. I mean, you know, he's been a guide for, I think, 15 years um, but he works so well with kids and newer fishermen, as well as the advanced angler, because he understands that process. And he is really trying to break down that stereotype that deep fishing, offshore fishing, whether it be drop shot or spoon or grub, um, using those electronics is not nearly as difficult as what everybody has perceived it to be. And it's one of the easiest ways to go out and, and catch fish, not only catch a lot of fish, but catch quality of fish when techniques such as beating the banks aren't working near as well. Yeah, well, I tell you, you got to have a lot of patience to fish those grubs, man. Right. Yeah, and, you know, and I think that's why his DVD is, is really going to be so successful is because he is such a good teacher, and he is not, does not feel intimidated by sharing his secrets. Uh, I mean, that's how he makes his living, you know, mm-hmm. is, is fishing tournaments and guiding. And that DVD that he is coming out with, you know, I am so looking forward to when that hits the shelves because I, I really think... For every angler that's out there who ever has an interest in learning how to do this technique or just become a better fisherman, they need to have this technique as, as one of the things in their arsenal. Yeah. The only other way you're going to be a better fisherman is honestly is just wait till these guys get rid of their electronics and go buy it from them and see they have all their waypoints in there and you know exactly where to go. <laughs> but then if you're, you know, like most of us, if, if, we, if we delete those waypoints and trails, with the exception, I don't know if you remember when Jamie Cyphers was on, he forgot to do that when he yeah. sold his boat. And, uh, you know, you, you go out to the lake and the guy's sitting on all your waypoints. So. Yeah, Jamie, I'm sorry if you listen to this. I wasn't taking on you. But that, that is funny. That is funny. So yeah, Anyway, yeah. we'll look forward to, you know, we're going to hear more uh, from Mike throughout the season. He's, he's on several of the episodes on the first cast sub-segment that's in there. He'll be bringing several, several tips throughout, and uh, we'll certainly keep the listeners abreast of what's going on with his DVD that'll be coming out. Absolutely. You can always go to bassheads.com and check it out there as well. Yep. Alright, folks, we're going to go to our next break. When we come back, we're going to go to my favorite part, the listener email, right here on This Week's Edge. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. All right, thanks for all our fine sponsors and their words of wisdom. Hey, this week's question is a winner, and this is always my favorite part of the show or the podcast here. 
and that is the question of the week. And this is actually coming from Jeff in Elizabeth, Colorado. Now, Jeff is going to be particularly happy because not only is he the winner of the uh, product this week, and he's going to get two weeks, and he's going to get what? He gets a full lineup of the mother's uh, car and boat care products, yeah. and he also gets the Bass Edge gear package. So, uh, And that's because he's the question of the week. That's because he is the question of the week. Now, the only reason we're doing this is Christmas. That's right. That, yeah, that's we're, correct. Right? We're off next week, and uh, so we already had one scheduled, so he gets them both. All right. Now, it's Jeff Thompson from Elizabeth, Colorado, and Aaron, he wants to know what. He states he's been listening to the podcast, and while he stocks shelves at night at his local Walmart, puts up the episodes on his iPod and greatly enjoys them. His well, question, let me stop you right there. Jeff, you are a very, very wise man to download our podcast, because not only are we entertaining, sometimes we actually know what we're talking about. <laughs> there you go. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to give him accommodation for downloading some quality broadcast. Exactly. You know, he's yeah, a multitasking individual. But his absolutely. question is concerning barometric pressure. Where is a good place on the web to find out information concerning pressure and how it affects bass? Uh, Skeet Reese and other anglers have discussed that they pay attention to it. That is about as far as I have gotten. I pay attention to it, but don't exactly know what I should do with the presentation that I'm throwing at the bass. So for Jeff's question, I actually went into, uh, we've got three responses, so I'll kind of blow through these rather quickly. But the first one is from the Bass Edge editor, Steve Brigman, and his comment is pressure affects fish because their buoyancy in the water is controlled by an air sac. What was that, what was that word? Buoyancy. It's buoyancy. 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 Are you, are you, nautic, are you going on a <laughs> nautical trip there? Buoyancy? Uh, you know what? I apologize. You were down in Mississippi, weren't you? Yes, exactly. There you, uh, there you have I, it. I, I'm sorry, folks. If I didn't mean to offend anybody, but I just wasn't ready for that buoyancy word, you know? Buoyancy. How's yeah. that? Just trying to help you. You know, just I'm trying, trying to, to make read you the look question, good. Dan. Yeah, go ahead. I'm You're sorry. You're lucky it's Christmas. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. It's controlled by an air sac. This is very sensitive, and they can feel the slightest change. It is generally believed that a falling pressure tends to make fish more active, and a rising pressure shuts them down. The line on the weather map that represents a cold front is the point of lowest pressure. Therefore, when a front is approaching us from the north, the pressure is dropping until it arrives and then begins to increase. Thus, fish tend to bite best before an approaching front and generally not as well after it passes. This has been my experience. Then we go to Mike Webb, who is, as we know, uh, just interviewed him. Jeff, after being part of the Bass Pro team for 12 years, here is one thing I've noticed in our stores. When the barometer is high or rising, you can watch the fish hug the structure in the aquariums, and they will also get lazy. But if the barometer rather is low or dropping, they will move around a lot and seem very active when the barometer is rising. I've been told it will put pressure on the fish, and that's why they slow down. After all, the barometer is all about pressure, and the higher it is, the more pressure there is on the water and the fish. Thanks, Jeff, for listening to Bass Edge, and don't forget our season starts January 5th. And then the final response is from myself, uh, Jeff, for targeting bass during pressure-changing situations. I tend to employ the following techniques. During a low pressure, the fish are more comfortable and hence feel like pursuing a bait. So I will lean more towards a reactionary bait like a crankbait or spinnerbait. For high-pressure conditions, the fish don't feel as well and are less active, and they will not chase their prey, thus the strike zone 
shrinks. For this condition, I rely on getting a bait directly in front of them and use such lures as jigs, soft plastics, or drop shot with a very subtle action. So there you have it, and there you are, and my incorrect pronunciation of the word buoyancy. Buoyancy. <laughs> or what, I can't even say it. You can't you even said. say it now. Well, it's buoyancy, but I don't know how you said it last. That's like going to watch my cousin Vinny when he says youth. <laughs> oh, okay. so. Hey Jeff, thanks for the question And hey folks, i got an announcement We are going to take the listener email and the questions of the week And move them to the new newsletter And the reason we're doing that is to not only promote the newsletter But it's going to give you a better chance of seeing um, the circulation of the newsletter And getting more, hopefully, more editorial than we can provide on the podcast We're still going to comment on the listener emails from time to... We're not going to do it every week, but we'll do it from time to time. We're going to pick out basically some selective questions and then go more into detail. So So still go see us and uh, send us those emails at podcast at bassedge.com. I'm sure we'll have a new link for that here and there in a few few, uh, weeks ahead. Uh, But we are going to incorporate that on the newsletter, but we still will address listener emails from week to week here on the show. So now the questions go to the World Wide Web, and so now they get to be seen internationally. Absolutely. I I think that's a good move. I do, too. Yeah, so there you go. All right, we need to take another break. When we come back, we're going to get to the favorite things Aaron and I enjoy. You didn't look at my list, did you? Uh, You didn't email me a list. (laughs) I know. You're not supposed to. I didn't email you mine, either. (laughs) So there, Mr. Buency. (laughs) So, folks, we'll be right back after these final words from our sponsors on the edge. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. All right, my favorite podcast moment of the uh, 2007 season. I'm now you have to say off. why. You can't just name them. you got to say why. Uh, well, you didn't tell me that was part of my assignment. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to be responsible for something, I want to know the parameters. Thank I never you very knew much. you were responsible. So. Yeah, all right. I can answer that. Thank you very much. One of my favorite. I'll start it off with one of my favorites, and that is our the interview that we had with Bass Legend champion Boyd Duckett. Oh, that was and, a good one. Yeah, and, you know, the reason I liked about it, I liked the way he was talking about flipping the big bait. It's, you know, it all goes to the mindset that if you're going to be successful in either hunting or fishing or whatever, your your mental game is very important. Right, and and that that is certainly one of, that did not, that was not part of my list, but I that was definitely one of my, it's kind of like where do you cut it off? You know, you got to draw the line somewhere, and we only have a, a basically a 50-minute program. But that is one of the things that ties in perfectly about the Bass Edge mission, and I, I just think about life is, you know, it's his mental approach. And you've got to go after what you want. Put it out there, and then make it happen. Right, and, you know, I never really thought about it until after I listened to the interview, but, you know, taking or approaching grass grasslands or underwater grass spots and looking at it at the top, uh, topography of it, you want to slam me there because I mispronounced it. No, I'm not going to. I'm going to let it pass. Oh, uh, <laughs> topography of the of the grass. You got to look at that as a forest. And you know, I you know, usually I always approach it as a barrier. But you know, he's right. You pick and spot. You can go and pick and choose your spots inside of that grass. You're going to find uh, places where fish are holding in there. No question. You read it just like you would if the grass wasn't there. Right. So, all right, so well, I, 
I'm sorry. I learned a lot on that. No, I did too, and he and he's a phenomenal angler, and we will be fishing with him this year on Ufala, so that is definitely an episode you don't want to miss. My, uh, you know, going way back in the archives, and these are in no particular order, but one of my picks was the um, episode, actually episode number one with Pete Pons. You know, he's known as a crankbait expert, and uh, of which, you know, I'm not, I, I like to fish a, a crankbait, but I'm not real proficient. And I thought that interview of his description about putting that crankbait in the same position, the same situation, fishing the same type of cover that you would a jig or a soft plastic of banging that off of the rocks or, or you know, that reflection strike off of, off of the wood. Uh, that, to me, went a long ways as far as being able to, you know, increase your success with a crankbait. Absolutely. All right. Well, my second favorite, and it was really hard to choose between both of them because, you know, Mike Ludd and Pete Pons and uh, oh, Aaron helped me out. What was the the bath, uh, the lady from the Lady Bath? Um, uh, Cindy Hill or Lisa Craig? Or Cindy Hill. Wells. Yeah, Cindy Hill was very good. Um, but i got to go with Rick Juan. Um, oh, yeah. The guy's a machine, I, and he's from Ava, Missouri. I mean, do I have to say anything? He's from Missouri. Yeah, I mean, but the guy, honestly, you talk about certain people that's in the professional ranks for years. Rick Klun is going to be in the top five every time. Yep, he's originally from Texas, but we claim him because he's a he's a transplant into Missouri, so he's ours uh, now, right? Now wait a minute. I thought he was from. Is he originally from Texas? He is originally from Texas. Yep, he grew okay. up actually uh, South Texas saltwater fishing, and uh, there's a story that um, actually. He pulled up onto a, a boat ramp. He and his dad one time saw a little bass club that was uh, taking out, weighing in, and that's how he got his start in bass fishing. But that's another topic. But, no, yeah. he is definitely one of the legends. And, you know, anytime that guy's like E.F. Hutton. Whenever he speaks, you better listen. Yeah, and he's so humble. That's what I like about Rick Klein. I mean, the guy, he'll sit there and talk to you like you're just a, an average person. And, you know, you don't have to get down and put him on a pedestal. He doesn't want that. And, you know, he's very humble about his gifts. And he is, for you know, he always felt that he wasn't gifted. He had to work for everything. And I, I really admire a man for saying that. Yeah, and, and it's he's, you know, very approachable and less intimidating for regardless of, of where you're at in the sport, which which says a lot. Yeah. So, all right, so, my next pick. I'm sorry, go well, ahead. Well, I wasn't finished, but go ahead. Well, I'm sir. so excited to get to my, I mean. I, 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 I know who it is. Uh, well, my next pick <laughs> is number 32. Jamie Cyphers, and uh-huh. when he talked about fishing out west, you know, I think bass fishing as a whole, with it being really rooted in the south, you know, we we spend a lot of time talking about it from the midwestern perspective, the southern perspective, shallow lakes, maybe with grass or the clear reservoirs, but then you take it out to west, you know, Nevada, Colorado, California, Arizona, uh, you better bring your game because that fishing there is completely different, and there is a tremendous, tremendous amount of great fishing. But they do a lot of things, like Jamie said, as far as pay extra attention to the finish on their baits because of the competition and the pressure on those fish. And, uh, you know, I, I just think he, he brought a lot of light to the sport of fishing from the Western perspective. Sure. Now, I know you got one more, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the next one, so I couldn't narrow it down. I mean, when we said we had to pick our couple, I actually picked three. So That's right. I'm, I'm a nonconformist. But my yeah, next one would have been number 35, which was Dave Wolak. Yeah. You know, for a person to go and make the type of – we talk about bass fishing as, as making decisions. And the success that you have, regardless if you're recreationally fishing or fishing a tournament, is about making proper decisions. And his decision to make that transition into braided line for such things as a crankbait 
a spinner bait, a jerk bait, like he had mentioned in, in that interview of being able to get those schooling fish out of that school quicker without spooking the fish to throw back in there and, and get another uh, fish out of that school before they went down again. That really opened my eyes. So hats off to, to Dave. I, I got a lot out of that interview. Now, are you using braided line? I am using braided line. I've used braided line probably more this year than what I ever have in my entire life. Well, let's see. You learn something. Yep. There you go. You know, folks, that's honestly the best part of this job. You get to meet so many nice people. And I don't know how Aaron feels about it, but after I listen to the interviews and just talk with visit with people, I just realized how much I didn't know yep. that I thought I did. Because every time we talk to somebody, they bring such a totally new approach to it. And it's like, I never thought about that. Well, and one of the things, Dan, that, you know, that I get out of that is as much time as what all of us spend on the water, that there is no, this is not an exact science. There's science. There's so many different ways and so many, uh, you know, ways to employ different techniques and do things differently that are successful. Really, for beginning anglers or novice anglers, you know, you can just go out there and develop your own skill and pull kind of the best from each person. And that's really what I gained throughout the course of 2000, being able to not only grow individually of my time spent on the water, but as we interviewed these anglers and as I got to fish with them, of getting to pick their brains and see, even though they are all top-level pros, that they all do things a little bit differently. And sometimes those subtle differences are what makes huge, huge dividends. Yeah. Well, folks, we hope you've enjoyed that as much as we have bringing it to you this year. Uh, yeah, I can't believe it. 2008 is just a few days away. We want to make like sure. A blink. That, oh, I'm telling you, it's crazy. So I know you're excited about the new TV schedule that's going to start back on Versus in January and all the way through June. And uh, they can find you at what time, Aaron? Uh, Saturday mornings. We are going to hit it off on January 5th, and it is a time slot of 7:30 Eastern time. So, again, that's 7.30 Eastern time, and then we will be part of that a.m., 7.30 a.m. on the Versus Network. And uh, we're going to be part of that fishing block, uh, so we look extremely forward to that. And then we'll be on again, I believe, uh, on Tuesdays as well, uh, and then potentially some other dates throughout the week. But our primary time slot will be Saturday mornings. And then, you know, the website, it is going to have a whole new look. Uh, starting right after the first of the year. There's a lot of new things getting ready to be launched, apparel, uh, products that that will all be taking place here in the next week or so. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up for Aaron and I, for both of us. We want to wish you a very, very happy holiday season and a happy New Year's. Don't forget to go to www.bassedge.com for all your up-to-date Bass Edge information. And, uh, Aaron, I know you want to say goodbye and hello. Absolutely. Happy holidays. Have a great year. And uh, we'll see you next year in just a couple of weeks and look forward to it. Thanks for listening. There you go, folks. This is Outdoors Dan. He's Aaron Martin from All of Up. Thank you so much for listening to The Edge. This week's edition of Bass Edges, The Edge, has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches, Cook's Tackle Management System. Locker Bar Boat Security Systems, and MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com.